Hornets lose again last night, this time to the Brooklyn Nets, but are they gaining moral victories? We'll talk about that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NBA. Unfortunately, Doug, the Hornets, they lose again to the Brooklyn Nets, 122 to 116. But... As I tweeted last night, I don't know what you'd real realistically expect if clutch minutes are going to Bryce McGowan's JT Thor, more Thor movement. There was yeah, some life. Yeah, we're still alive. I I saw the pulse. So you guys were the Undertaker meme, the GIF coming back to life after the coffin was opened up. Eight minutes for the more Thor movement last night. Bryce McGowan's. How about Bryce? First off of the bench. 20 minutes. I tried to do the, for Bryce to do the Undertaker meme and I lost my headphones. So I'm back. That's, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, you two both, you guys both have the long hair. You're back right afterwards as well, just like the Undertaker. Bryce McGowan's first off the bench, um, 20 minutes, significantly more minutes than anybody else off of the bench. Doug, what's your first, uh, what's your main takeaway from watching this game last night? The Hornets lose 122 116. Well, I think it's painfully obvious that this is not an awful team uh, and, and really th that they're trying extremely hard. I mean, Herculean efforts by both Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier, 28 points for Oubre, 29 points for Terry Rozier, uh, both of them shooting a little bit better lately, uh, but doing everything they could to keep this team within striking distance to make that comeback. They finally got a little bit of contribution off the bench very quickly from Teo Maladone. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the main takeaway is that this is this is obviously a team that's not awful. They have just been completely uh, eviscerated by these injuries, and they're relying on young players. And those young players are showing why, you know, against when you play really good teams, they're showing why they're not quite ready for action, whether it's, you know, JT Thor and uh, Kai Jones committing a 1,000 uh, offensive fouls on bad screens or Bryce McGowan's as good as, you know, we've seen him make shots when he's gotten the ball, uh, but also we've seen him, you know, with difficulty guarding Seth Curry in that game, uh, 1v1. You know, it's just all kinds of issues that you, when you rely on young players, that they're going to get exposed when you play teams that feature Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you mentioned they're shooting better. So this is the third time they've reached 116 points in the last four games. The other time they did not reach 116. They scored 96 against Milwaukee, but also Milwaukee is posting some phenomenal defensive numbers this year. So when you're looking at the Bucks team, I believe that was a team that would just allow you to shoot threes, but now they're actually guarding threes and they're stopping everything at the rim. I'm not surprised at all that the Hornets weren't able to reach 100 against Milwaukee. They're starting to shoot a little better, right? Over 40% from three in this past game. And it's not like they took a ton of threes. Four for McDaniels, four for PJ. They didn't even shoot all that well. Only two combined for them. 
three of six for Terry, three of seven for Kelly. And then you had one from Kai Jones. And then you had one out of two for Bryce McGowan. So they didn't take that many, but they were able to hit their shots and they shot 53% inside the three point arc. So it's really the starters really. I mean, they're leaning on them heavily right now, as you mentioned, they, they are shooting better though, which I think is allowing you to see some of the better offensive numbers. They are shooting better, Walker, and hopefully that confidence can start to affect the shot profile at some point. Let me let me show you something here uh, on cleaning the glass. So this is sort of the shot profile for this game against Brooklyn. It's showing you the frequency at which at which they shot at the rim, the mid range, mm-hmm. and the three. And you can see here that Charlotte took a vast majority of their shots at the rim in this game. They were attacking relentlessly, and that's Kelly Oubre, that's Jalen McDaniels, that's Terry Rozier, that's Teo Maladon. I mean, all of them were going at the rim exclusively, cleaning it up on the glass when when shots were missed, but the ball wasn't getting kicked out to the three-point line. Only 26% of their offense uh, last night was from three, and so even if you shoot it better, and they're not shooting all that great at the rim, if I scroll down here to accuracy, their accuracy at the rim, 66.7%, if you extend that out to sort of the the area around the rim, they're shooting at average or slightly below average at the rim over the past couple of games, and when you're taking a vast majority of your shots there, you're not getting to the foul line all that much. It's going to mean that teams that can shoot a lot of threes effectively are going to seriously outpace you. Now, they got fortunate in this second half against Brooklyn when they started to make that comeback that Irving and Kevin Durant were just cold from three. They really weren't shooting the three ball well the entire game, and so, or, or at least in that second half. And, uh, you know, I think it gave them a chance to get back into the game. But the shot profile at some point has to change. And you wonder if that shot profile has changed to, to what it is currently because of all of the injuries. Yeah. And, and look, you know, this is a team now where you're still asking players to do something a little outside of their comfort zone. And when these guys come back, you ask, you ask the question, I forget to who, but you ask the question about whether you're going to see players conform back to their old roles or are they going to experiment with a little bit of both maybe play their old roles a little bit more so while experimenting with this new expanded role they have because these guys are out i did think you got old terry back in this one 29 points 13 of 24 and then you mentioned kelly Oubre offensively was able to fill it up quite a bit 28 had a three of seven from the three-point line line. And then you look at Kelly. Um, you know, Kelly had a, another clutch three in this one too. Man, the, the thing is, you know, there were a couple of really nice defensive possessions for Charlotte at the very mm-hmm. end of this game, but there was just too much Kevin Durant. You know, it's the same thing, right? The last two games against the Clippers, against the Nets, Kawhi Leonard hits you for a mid-range jumper to win the game. KD was doing the same thing, except it wasn't to win the game at the very end, it was to do it with about like two minutes left. He just kept hitting a couple of shots. We didn't have KD. We didn't have Kawhi. We had Bryce McGowan's out there in clutch time. You know, we had Kai Jones. We had JT Thor playing at the very end of this one. It's not like he only got eight minutes and it was in the first half sometime. He's playing in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, that's that's going to do you in when you're playing Kevin Durant and even Kyrie Irving who got going as the uh, game went on. Yeah, I'm looking at Kevin Durant's second half numbers, 15 points, 7 of 11 uh, from the field in in 20 minutes of play. So, yeah, I mean, they they really and, – and it was like in that fourth quarter, I was just waiting for them to check him back into the game because I really felt like, you know, once he checked back into the game, 
uh, he was going to start to turn it up uh, because I think with Kyrie out there by himself, the Hornets were able to make a little bit of run without Kevin on the floor. But then in that fourth quarter, I mean, he was 4-4, just knocking down tough shots. And, you know, I think it is credit to the Hornets over the past couple of games that they've been able to pace themselves with these teams. I mean, you know, two-point loss to the Clippers when you were a four-and-a-half-point uh, four underdog. The line got to ten-and-a-half for this game against Brooklyn, and you only lose by four. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when you don't have any regular victories to talk about, I think you're forced into a moral victory zone, especially when – I think you have an excuse to talk about moral victories when, you know, the the morale has stayed somewhat constant and and somewhat good considering all of the of the pieces they've been missing and considering the fact that they now sit um, you know, 11 games under 500. The fact that they're still trying this hard in the fourth quarter of a game against Brooklyn uh, in Brooklyn is is a testament I think to Kelly and to Terry and to Steve Clifford for keeping this unit together. Let's not forget they also came back when they were down 20. So they they didn't give up and they came back and they were almost uh, able to win this game. They really did. Part of that, part of that though, part of that is if we're being fair, you know, I want to be fair on this show. Part of that is that I felt like at times Brooklyn with that 20 point lead, they were trying some things. They were, they were the cat playing with a cat toy. They were trying like Kevin Durant passed up multiple open looks to get it to Claxton because Brooklyn recognizes that they're in a different position than Charlotte, right? They're in a position where they're trying to get ready for the playoffs already. I mean, every everything that they do is geared towards making sure that they're playoff ready. And so that when you have a 20-point lead, there's probably a bit of a mentality in Brooklyn of like, all right, let's get some others involved, make sure that we're figuring out, you know, getting them better as we progress on. So I think there was a little bit of that going on too. But, you know, credit to the Hornets, they took advantage yeah. of it. Yeah, they bit back. All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll look into Doug's notebook and and see what kind of scribbles he had in there and uh, kind of paying attention to some of these plays that did happen in last night's game against the Brooklyn Nets. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job uh, profile and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's take a look at Doug's notebook. Coming up next, Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most. To the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. All right, Doug, let's let's go to your notebook. What what did you uh, write while watching this game last night? Well, you know, I think the first half unveiled uh, or or showed you a lot of the problems that they've been having really all season long, and and the injuries certainly play a factor in this. But you know, in the first half, 
Defensively, uh, they were awful. I mean, there's just really no other way to put it in the first half. Uh, they allow 73 points to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Kevin Durant got 14. Kyrie Irving got 12. But the big number, Seth Curry, 6 of 7 from the field. Start of 5 of 5 from the field. He ends the first half with 15 points. They did a much better job of containing him in the second half, and that helped them get back into this game. Uh, but th- there, it was just bad defense. They broke the lineup. And, and again, you know, when you break the lineup, the other team uh, is just getting too many opportunities to go on a run for the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, there was a terrible defensive rebound in the first quarter with about a minute and a half to go that led to one of those Steph Curry corner three-point shots. And and that was a seven-point play. Now, I don't know how many seven-point plays you've seen, Walker. I don't know if you remember that from the first quarter. Uh, but you get the foul on Curry plus the on the three. He makes a three. Flagrant foul on Nick Richards for landing in a zone. That's four points. And then they get the ball because of the flagrant and they don't get the rebound, defensive rebound. That's been happening all season, story of the season. Then it gets kicked out for three. Steph Curry, seven-point play. I don't, even have, I don't know how many seven. Is that the maximum amount that you could get on one possession? Well, I mean, yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, pretty much one possession, right? Because if you go to an eight-point play, then that's just content. Well, maybe it's an eight-point play, and then you hit your free throw. Is there a two-shot have... flagrant? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah three, that, three plus it. a two-shot flagrant. Yeah, I think it would. I think to get eight points, it requires someone punching someone in the face. I feel like, like that's <laughs> so, the only. So way. you're almost there. You're almost there. You almost saw history. Right, uh, but yeah, you don't see many seven point plays. So yeah, I mean, we've we've seen these issues all year. I think that's 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 the that's the sort of takeaway from that first half is that you know they're trying hard, but there are issues with starting games that they've had all year. You know what I realized last night, and it's it's honestly it's kind of dumb that it didn't really stick out to me before. But watching the game last night, PJ went one of four from the free throw line, and it's disappointing because PJ had improved his free throw shooting quite a bit this year. He was shooting about eighty percent. I think he's at seventy seven and a half after missing three of his four free throws last night. You you realize not only are the injuries killing you from what they provide on the courts, but it's also what they provide. On at the charity stripe, at just outside of the confines of the normal play. So if you look at the guys that they're missing from last year, LaMelo Ball, not playing, shot 87% from the free throw line. I mean, if you want to go to James Booknight, who's available, but James Booknight is not a part of the rotation right now. He shot 87% from the free throw line last year. Gordon Hayward injured, shot 84.6% from the free throw line. Miles Bridges, obviously not with the team. He shot 80%, and the year before that, shot close to 90. The guys that they're missing are their best free throw shooters outside of Terry Rozier, who is available. That's it. So if it's not Terry, then you can't really depend on anybody else. Jalen McDaniels was 73% from the free throw line last year. PJ was 71. Now, again, increases there, but not the guys that you feel comfortable with um, in a fouling situation. I came up with a couple of – you mentioned Jalen McDaniels there, which made me think. I came up with a couple of nicknames, uh, and I don't know if these are going to stick. I'm really workshopping them here, but I got two nicknames for you, one for Teo and one for Jalen McDaniels. Which one do you want first? Um – I mean, for me, well, I love both so much. It doesn't matter. Let's go Jalen first. All right, so Jalen McDaniels, my new nickname for him is the Bondsman because Jalen McDaniels this season has bailed out so many 
bad possessions for the Charlotte Hornets offensively. He was good last he night. Is the, he was. He did it. He did it. He's the grenade catcher. There have been two things <laughs> that Jalen McDaniels, I think, has particularly done well this season. The first I just mentioned, bailing out bad offensive possessions with his sort of just one-on-one get to the rim or get to a spot, pull up, mid-range jump shot. That he's been able to do really effectively. The second thing is scoring in transition. Like he's really good when the when he gets out and and runs. Like he's really good at fit, actually scoring points on these fast breaks. Um, I think those are two things that McDaniel's done very well. But the and he's Bonsman, always been good at that. I mean, he he hustles. Bonsman. He goes a hundred percent all the time. I mean, last year I thought he was really good at getting out in transition and creating some opportunities. But it's the one on one stuff that has improved every single year. I mean, there was a clutch bucket for him where I think he they have two and ones in this game. I believe he did. And there was one where he drives, you know, on the right side of the rim and just kind of floats it off the backboard. And he bailed the Hornets out there. The Bondsman, love it. Jalen McDaniels. All right, let's go to Teo Maladon. All right, Teo, uh, because he came in in a really big spot in the game, third quarter, end of the third quarter. Uh, and uh, this was around the 2.30 mark. And uh, this is when JT Thor and Teo checked in. And Teo just hits the nets with a quick five points. And it just made me think, like, I feel like, and I don't know if this is true. I didn't really, I can't confirm this without some really deep, deep, deep research that I'm not going to do. Who cares about that? But I'm just going to talk to you about my feelings. And my feeling is that Teo Maladon this season can be counted on a lot for just a quick five. Just come in, get an and one bucket, and then get a consecutive layup after that. Just a quick five, hit you right in the mouth. You don't expect it because it's Teo Maladone. You know, the other team doesn't expect it. I think Hornets fans expect it at this point. But a quick five, Teo is French, so I think new nickname for him, at least in my heart. I don't know. Again, I don't know if these are going to stick. I'm just workshopping them. But here's the new nickname, Rapide Sonk, which is quick five in French. Okay. Rapide Sonk. The way you know it's going to stick is if Eric Collins listens to this and then uses it in a broadcast. So if we can <laughs> well, get, we gotta that get him to on the show happen. and just pitch him, that's all right. I'm going to write these down so we can get EC on the show maybe next week and just pitch him on all of these nicknames for the player. Because that's the thing we're, you know, we're going to have to, as this season progresses, probably focus a little bit more on the young players, focus on development, but also focus on ways to have fun. And mm-hmm. one of the easiest ways to have fun is to give guys nicknames in a bad season. And so Rapide Sonk and the Bondsman uh, are my are my pitches that will that will hopefully make the EC. Well, I mean, Teo has scored five points in each of the last three games. I don't know if they were the quick five. <laughs> Rapide Sonk! There you go. All right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I should have just done that was simple research I could have done that <laughs> yeah I, I I literally did two things from the box score click on Teo click on game log 555 five, five. that's what I did while you were doing that um, but that's okay we have we have plenty more research to come I want to go back into Doug's notebook maybe discuss some growing pains with this team from the bench maybe that's something that's in there we'll also take a couple of other notes from Doug Branson's notebook coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast is Locked on Hornets Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
Doug with a couple of nicknames for Jalen McDaniels and Teo Maladone. What else did you notice in this one here, Doug? Let's just let's just empty out the notebook all together, all baby. Right. Just just everything every, you got. Uh, the, I think you mean the everyhornetsboxscore.com notebook. Make sure you're <laughs> subscribed for free or if you want to support, you know, been doing it. I've, I've been really, you know, I oftentimes come up with these ideas of, you know, things to do on the show or better ways to cover the Hornets. And I'll admit, I, I don't. You know, I, I don't have the best track record with sticking with them. But so far, I don't want to jinx it, but so far mm. I've released game notes on every single summer league preseason and regular season game, and they've come very quickly. It's a it's a great way to recap. Anyway, all right, that was my shameless I We're only a quarter of the way through. So, I mean, you've got quite a few to go, um, but you're off <laughs> to a great start. they might get a little tougher to write. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk about the bench. I really want to talk about the bench because I think it's it's an important storyline um, really on the season because they've had to dip into the depth so much this season. But if you look at this game, uh, it was all starters in terms of scoring. 29 for Terry, 28 for Kelly, 13 for Mason, 12 for P.J. Washington, 19 for Jalen. Meanwhile, the bench, you're getting three from Bryce, five from Teo, Rapidisson, Nick Richards, two, Kai Jones, five as well. And not a lot of shot attempts either. I mean, Kai gets four, Bryce gets three, but only two shot attempts among uh, Maladone and Rich and Richards. I mean, that's the crazy one, right? Only nine minutes and 30 seconds yeah. for Richards on the game. Two points. He's been counted on for a double-double, but he was a minus 19 in this game. Uh, two points on only one attempt. That's, that's kind of crazy. Big minutes uh, for Mason in this game. And I think that's sort of about physicality. That's sort of about, of, about defensive awareness, I think. Leaning on uh, the veteran there and Mason Plumley instead of Nick Richards as much as fans want Nick to play. Uh, you know, when you're playing a team like Brooklyn that has, again, that has the talent that they have, they're going to expose every little uh, deficiency that you have. And and so I think that that accounts for it. But Walker, my question is this, like, should the bench be getting more shot attempts? Because there were times when I saw Bryce McGowan just standing in the corner, and it was Terry and Kelly. And again, no, I'm not I'm not criticizing T- uh, Kerry and T- uh, Kelly and Terry because they did a great job. But yeah. if you're going to say things like Steve Clifford has said, like the bench has to play better, well, the bench has to get shot attempts. No, they do have to get shot. At- well, they, they just have to shoot when they're open, right? They have to get fed the ball when they're open. Because I, I just – as long as it comes within the natural flow of the game – then yes, honestly, speaking of Jalen McDaniels, Doug, I don't know if you thought this. There were a couple times late in this game. I thought Jalen should have caught a shot a couple to, uh, more. You know, there was times I think on the three point line where they were dribbling, trying to figure out the exact right pass to make, and it just kept going deeper into the shot clock where they were looking for a better shot, which you don't want to criticize. At the same time, they got to let that thing fly every now and then. There, the other off here. Here's the offensive possession that I got the angriest with last night. I think it was a long offensive rebound that led to this. So Terry Rozier, he has it coming out of the backcourt, and when Terry Rozier and Lamelo Ball are doing your turn, my turn, ISO, okay, I'd rather play within the confines of moving the basketball. But cool, mm-hmm. those are some some good scores. Kelly Oubre has been playing better. He has been the guy that they've leaned on quite a bit for some offense. But there was a possession after that long rebound where the shot clock was dwindling down. 
And those two guys are just passing it back and forth at the top of the key. And it looked like disaster immediately. And that's exactly what it was. Horrible shot hoisted up. And then you waste a possession and the Brooklyn Nets get it right back. Well, I don't know how you could watch these games and not come to any other conclusion except for Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, and, and possibly Steve Clifford just have zero trust in the bench at this point to, to effectively execute offense. And it's difficult to blame any of them because uh, Kai Jones doesn't know how to set a proper screen without getting called for an oh offensive foul. Oh, my God. That that one screen was blatant, man. Like sometimes JT Thor's wasn't as bad. Kai Jones, boom, just like the X going right at that person. I forget who it was who he said it on, but yeah, brutal screen. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's brutal, but at least that's like it's a physical type of play that's not allowed anymore. The real to me, the really frustrating ones are when he gets the sort of Sam Darnold happy feet, and instead of just setting the screen. And then making the move, he's so he's so excited, and I think this all comes from energy that that has produced some pretty awesome plays for him that we've seen. Like, oh man, like Kai can he can give a little bit more energy than everybody else, and it allows him to get up, get to the rim, get offensive rebounds, and make exciting plays. But that same energy, because it's not focused, because it's not developed, because it's not ready for prime time yet, even though it's playing in prime time because it has to. This is what results. Those offensive fouls in key moments, wasted possessions, opportunities for the Hornets to either keep a run going or finish off a run and get a lead are being uh, ruined by having to rely on Kai Jones, who isn't quite ready because he can't set a screen because he's got happy feet because he really wants to make a great play. Um, yeah, three turnovers, three fouls for Kai Jones last night. Five points and the three. The awesome dunk. Um, also three rebounds for Kai Jones. And if you look at the personal fouls, so Kai Jones had three, Thor tacked on two, five, Nick Richards, two, seven, Bryce McGowan's one, eight, I believe. Yeah. So the starters, they had 10. So out of all the minutes, the starters had only had 10 fouls with all of the minutes played in this game. The bench comes in for man. I mean, yeah, you had Bryce play 20 and everybody else was 11, 10, 8, 10. And, you know, they just fouled when they were defending. And that's just what it was. Kai Jones, JT <laughs> Thor, especially late in this game. Those were the tough ones. The couple of offensive fouls that the Hornets had. Oh, there was one by Thor. Thor set a bad screen as well. Got called for the yeah. offensive foul. And I don't know if you caught this, Walker, but if you looked at Steve Clifford at the time, this <laughs> happened. Like, I don't have the time marked down, but it was before the 4.15 mark. So somewhere in between the five minutes or four minutes left in the game, Thor sets the bad screen, uh, and, and they were only down four at this point, and then Brooklyn would go on to score. Kyrie would score and put them up six with 4.15 left. But Thor sets the bad screen. I don't know if you caught this, but if you looked at Steve Clifford, go back and look at the replay uh, on NBA on NBA.com. But uh, Clifford grabs his ankles, like bends all the way down, <laughs> And grabs his ankles, which I'm like, whoa, Clifford's okay. been hitting the hot yoga, right? I mean, I don't know if I, I'm like 30, I'm 35 or 36, I can't remember. But I don't even know if I could, I mean, knees not bent, like knees locked in and he's grabbing the ankles. I mean, Clifford, I love it, man. Water aerobics are huge at that age, man. They, they give you all <laughs> the flexibility in the world. Shout out to Steve Clifford. Um, all right, oh that'll do gosh. it for Locked On Hornets. We're going to end on Steve Clifford's flexibility. We appreciate you listening to us and making us Jealous. your first listen 
every single day. Make your second listen, Locked On Sports today. You can check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great day. We'll be back with Nick Carboni tomorrow. Rabbit is on.